of the tongue, the ability to create or destroy by what comes out of our mouth. And we serve a God that is a God of restoration. And usually when you see anything restored, it usually turns out better than it was in the original state. To my left, uh, there's a piece of plastic covering something. And I want to tell you that this, uh, what's under this plastic uh, was in a dumpster. Uh, someone had decided that uh, it was worthless, it was useless, it had no value. And uh, by their actions and by their words, they spoke death to this uh, thing that's covered underneath this plastic. But I saw it in the dumpster, and I saw some worth, and I saw some hope. And I was in faith, I saw something that wasn't actually really there. I got with the right person, spoke the right words, made the right request to the power of words, and through the power of words, this person took this project and took it from a, a dumpster display to a church of the harvest display. This is my gift to the nursery. Uh, moms, I'm going to ask if you'll ask your children not to throw up on it and uh, not to spill Kool-Aid on it. But isn't it beautiful? Isn't it, isn't it gorgeous? And, 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 and that's the way God sees us. God does not see us as dumpster divers or dumpster trash, but God sees the finished product. And we shared a few weeks ago when, God, when the angel of the Lord came to where Gideon was and declared to Gideon, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. And God began to speak positive words into Gideon's life. And I wrote this down, and you can, you can write, write this down if you want, but this whole thought this morning is like this. Words are like seeds. You reap what you speak. Words are like seeds. You reap what you speak. The angel of the Lord spoke to Gideon. Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. I looked up that word valor, Josh, and it means great courage in the face of danger, especially in battle. The word valor means great courage in the face of danger, especially in battle. But when you look at where Jeremiah was in his life, he was not a man of valor. He actually was a coward hiding in the shadow of a wine press, watching over a field of beans. He was going from paycheck to paycheck. He was broke, busted, and disgusted. But God didn't pay any attention to that. God paid attention to the prophetic vision that God had of Gideon. And this morning, I believe that God has a prophetic vision for each one of you. I believe God has a purpose. God has a destiny. We quote that uh, Jeremiah, probably one of the most popular scriptures right now to this generation is, I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans, plans to bless you and prosper you and to see and expect it in. And God declares that over you and God declares what you are in him. It's up to us to respond to those words or react to those words. We can either accept the fact that God has a personal plan for our life, it's a good plan, or we can go with the flow of everything, everything else that seems to be half, em, half empty, negative, critical. Uh, I watched a few minutes, and I watch a very positive uh, news broadcast. I watch Fox News. I used to watch headline news, and Pastor Rhonda convicted me and hid the remote, and I couldn't find the remote, so we had to watch Fox, and now uh, if you're in our house, the TV's on, it's on the Fox Network station because it is a network that I believe tells it like it is. I believe they tell the truth, whether it benefits their political agenda or not. 
But I notice on every newscast, it's even Fox newscast, it seems like negative seems to fly. Negative is important. Negative, it seems like almost every port, there's something negative taking place somewhere in America or somewhere in the world. I did hear a good thought, yet a good truth yesterday, the possibility of the wall, the, the, the mental wall between North Korea and South Korea might be coming down. We hope that. We pray that. We want, we want that to happen. Uh, we're dealing with uh, uh, a country that uh, is godless. It's an atheist nation and uh, does not have the values that we hold true. But South Korea does. And would it be amazing if God would send missionaries and evangelists to South Korea over to North Korea now that that, that political wall is coming down. And there could be a revival that could literally turn that country upside down. The Bible says that would take place in the last days. In Proverbs 6 and 2, it says that we are snared by the words of our mouth. I was talking with Jay a little bit, or actually I was talking with Gene this week, and we were talking about fishing. And I want to do an illustration later on in the year concerning fishing. I uh, personally believe that there is not a fish alive today that I cannot catch. Uh, I've caught a 16-foot shark. I've caught a 300-pound halibut. I've caught a 50-pound salmon. I've caught a 10-pound bass. I have the equipment, I believe, to go to any ocean of the world and put me in a boat and give me a rod and reel and give me a few minutes. I believe I can catch whatever fish is in that body of water. And the reason I declared that is because I use what's called a, snare, a snared hook. I use a hook that has a barb on it. Not only does it penetrate going in, but it doesn't allow the hook to slip out. There are some streams in Tennessee, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are some streams in Tennessee that you're not allowed to use a barbed hook. You have to use a straight hook, which does no damage to the fish's jaw. But if you catch, if you catch a fish with a barbed hook, the, the chances are you have to take a pair of needle-nose pliers or a pair of pliers, and you have to tweak that hook, and it does damage to the mouth of that fish. And you know what? When I see that hook, I look at drug addiction, I look at alcoholism, I look at all the things the enemy tries to snare us with, and then when we decide to be restored and we decide to turn our life around, there is pain. There, there is pain in going through the steps of becoming drug-free, alcohol-free. And I give all that credit to that, to, to that hook. But we are snared by the words of our mouth. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, if we, if, if we go with the flow of the environment, we'll talk negative instead of positive. And we'll start being critical about every single area of our life. There are people in my life, I tolerate them. I don't necessarily enjoy being around them. But there are people in my life that you can be with them for a minute. And they immediately start, start telling you how bad things are, how, how they, they can't do this, they can't do that, they can't succeed here. This one's against them. I, I'm, I'm fat, I'm, I'm skinny. They don't tell me they're skinny because I don't know any skinny people anymore. I, I'm, I'm fat, I'm, I'm, I'm overweight. Uh, uh, my dad was a loser. I'm a loser. I'm broke. I'll never own my own house. I'll never, I'll never get off drugs. I'll never this, I'll never that. And when you speak those things, you've sowed those seeds and you become those things that you speak. A very dark day of my life was several years ago when I went through the tragedy of divorce. And I learned that with divorce, there's all kinds of things attached to that. And one of the first things attached to divorce was depression. When I actually realized that I really was divorced, I got depressed. I, I, just, I was at a place where 
There was nothing satisfying. There was, there was no place I would go. There was nothing I would do. I was in a state of depression. And with that depression comes discouragement. And I found myself discouraged trying to do the right thing. And with that dis discouragement comes disappointment. You feel like you're a failure. Well, I'm divorced. I'll never get married. I'll never find the right wife. I'll never find the right husband. I'll never this. I'll never that. And then with all of those Ds come the, come the doubt. And that doubt says that this will probably never get better. But you know what happened? I surrounded myself with people that believed in me. I surrounded myself with people that knew Rhonda. I surrounded myself with people that began to agree with me that God was going to turn this around. I got involved in prayer meetings. I got involved in, I would go over this one particular couple's house, and I know I drove them nuts. I know, I know they, they had to see me coming and, and pull the shades and lock the door and, and slip out the back door. And, and I, I know that. Now, I look back now, all the stuff I put them through, and all I could talk about was Rhonda, 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 Rhonda. And, and I know they got sick, 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 but they stayed right there with me. They stayed there, encouraged me. They agreed with me. They started teaching me how to say the right thing, how to do the right thing. I started reading books on how to become a, a good husband, an awesome husband. I started writing books, reading books that made, helped me be a better person. And I began to build myself up. I began to encourage myself in the Lord. And then when Pastor Rhonda came crawling back and I accepted her, it was like all those seeds that I, all those positive seeds that I planted, all the things I spoke, they actually came to pass. Second Corinthians 10 and 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down vain imaginations, and bringing into captivity every thought. Watch this just for a minute. We are cast down vain imaginations and bring into captivity every thought. That word captivity kind of deals with a, a sheriff or an enforcer of the law that we are to arrest those wrong thoughts we are to rest those wrong feelings in our life, and we are to cast them down. For as he thinketh, Proverbs 23 and 7 says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So here's what happens. These thoughts get in our brain. They get in our mind. If we think about them long enough, Matthew 6 and 45 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You get it in your brain long enough that you're a loser, or you get it in your brain long enough that you're never going to be financially satisfied if you get into your into your mind that you're always going to be sick there's always going to be something wrong with you you are feeding that monster and that monster will grow and will disqualify everything that god has for you do i have a friend in the house this morning what you are speaking what you are what my question i guess is what are you speaking and what is god saying what is god saying about you what is god declaring over you what is god believing with you and how are you responding to that I remember that God found a man by the name of Noah. Noah was 500 years old, but Noah found grace in God's sight. God told Noah, I want you to build an ark. Noah had never seen an ark before, had never seen rain before, had never seen a storm before, but because he believed what God had to say about him, he and his three sons spent the next 120 years that built an ark that survived the storm that, that, that fell upon the earth. And Noah's life was spared because he heard the word of the Lord. He thought about God's word. And then he put into practice what he was thinking about and what God had told him. I think about Jeremiah. When Jeremiah was called of God, God told Jeremiah, you're going to be a prophet to the nation. And Jeremiah said, I'm, I'm, I'm too young. I'm just a kid. I'm not, I'm not seasoned. I'm not mature. I'm not this. I'm not that. But God saw something in Jeremiah 
that Jeremiah did not see in himself. And as Jeremiah began to make excuses, God told Jeremiah, I'm going to be with you. I am going to put words in your mouth, and you're going to open your mouth, and you're going to speak my word. And here we are 3,000 years later quoting the words of Jeremiah. I know the plan I have for you, good plan to bless you, to, to an, an acceptable and expected end. That's the word that Jeremiah spoke to that generation and to this generation. I think about those that God spoke to, that they had a reason or they had an excuse why they shouldn't do what God called them to do. God told Moses, I want you to bring the children of Israel out of the land of bondage and the land I promised them. I want you to stand before Pharaoh. I want you to plead their cause. And Moses began to make excuses. He said, he said I, have a, I have a speech impediment. I have a, I have a problem. Many scholars believe that Moses stuttered. And, uh, and so he didn't feel comfortable going before Pharaoh and speaking. And God solved that excuse by giving him Aaron. God will put people in your life that will help you to accomplish the things that God has for you because they've already accomplished it or they believe in the God that's speaking to you and they will submit to God and they will bring it to pass. I thank God for mentors. I talked to my mentor yesterday. I talked to Pastor Billy and I watched something on Facebook where they had put a um, incredible presentation. And while I was watching it, I felt like God spoke to me. And I called Pastor Billy. We visited a few minutes, and then I said, listen, I said, uh, I, just need to, I just need to share with you what I felt like God told me just a few minutes ago. And he said, what is that? I said, somebody's going to give you a plane. Now, those, that's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, crazy statement. That's a pretty crazy prophecy. You're looking at a 2 or $3 million vehicle, and I felt like that God wanted me to tell him, God's going to give you a plane. And you know what he said? He said, I'm going to write that down. That's exactly what he said. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to pray over that because I really need a, a, a private plane right now. The airports are wearing me out. I'm in, I'm in Toronto. I'm in Philadelphia. I'm in Miami. I'm here. I'm there. He, he told me that yesterday. He said, I am, I am wore out. I am, I am weary traveling and all the places I'm going, all the things that I, I'm doing. I said, well, I just have to tell you that I believe that God is, is going to give you a plane. That somehow a, a plane is going to be given to you. I, I personally know that Kenneth Copeland has given away two planes. He gave one to Phil Driscoll, and I believe he gave one to Jerry, um, yes, yes, Jerry Savell. So there are people in life that have the ability to give away planes. Wouldn't would you like it one day that financially you would have the ability to just give your pastor a plane? And I can, I can fly to Utawal, and I can fly to Etowal, and I can fly to Calhoun. I don't have to I would do, uh, go through those dangerous places on my own. I can, I can fly in or fly out. And I think about the spies. When the spies went to seek out the land, there were 12 of them, and 10 of the spies came back with the report, the giants are too big. Matter of fact, they said this, there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own side as grasshoppers, and so we were grasshoppers in our enemy's eyes. Explain that. They saw themselves as grasshoppers, and that's the way they assumed that the enemy saw them. God told them that they were going to take the land. God told them that that land was their inheritance. It was a land with flow with milk and honey. You see the picture of them carrying back the spoils of that land, the, the grapes, the fruit, everything that land had. But they said, you know what? The land is there. It's an awesome land, but we can't, we can't take it. We can't do it because the giants are too big. Aren't you glad that God puts us in our heart and spirit, the mentality that no weapon formed against us that every tongue rises against us that we shall condemn. That is our heritage, that we can rebuke 
the negative. We can rebuke the doubt. We can rebuke the criticism. And we can flow in the positive that God wants us to, fl to flow about. I wrote, I wrote here on, my, on the top of page three, I wrote this. I wrote, don't talk about the problem. Talk about the promises. Don't talk about the problem. Talk about the promises. And I've learned a long time ago that I'm very careful when I speak words, and not necessarily of doubt or fear, but just words of concern. I'm very careful who I speak those words to. I don't want to speak those words to a new Christian that it may, their faith may waver or they may get frustrated or get concerned. But when I speak things, I try to speak with people that's eye to eye with me, that's, that's where I'm at, that has the ability to give me advice and counsel to walk through what I'm walking through. So it's not a, it's not a negative to share those faults. The Bible says this, confess your faults one to another. We confess our sins to God, not to a priest, but to a God, to our God. And we confess our faults one to another. A very good fault would be for me to tell Pastor Ron, says, listen, you need to stop buying honey buns, stop buying donuts. I've, I've, got a, I've got some padding here I need to deal with. None of my clothes fit me. And I need you to start just grilling, no fried food, nothing like that. And, and, that, and when I confess that, I confess that fault to her, she'll put a note on the refrigerator door that says, don't eat the honey bun or don't. And so I bring her to help solve. And I don't know that, that that's helping a whole lot. I have lost 17 pounds in 30 days. I'm very proud of that. Uh, I backslid a little bit, drank a Dr. Pepper or two. But so far, I feel like that I'm doing pretty good. So instead of talking about the problem that you have in your marriage, in your finances, in your job, in your, in your spirit, in your health, start talking about the promises of God. And 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, the promises of God are yea and amen. Not no, not maybe, but they are yea and amen. He's a positive God. He's the God of multiplication. He's the God that multiplies the blessings in our life. He's the one that says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He's the one that says the spirit of hope is birthed in your spirit when you commit your... He's the one that spoke those things. So we find out what his promises are, and then we begin to declare them. I wrote down here in my notes that there are two voices in your life. In the song Stairway to Heaven, it says there are two paths that you can go by, but in the, in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. And I, I agree with that. I believe that there are two voices in our life. I believe there's a voice of can and there's a voice of can't. You've heard me tell the story of the two frogs that fell in the urn of milk and one frog said, well, I'm, I'm doomed. He sank to the bottom and he drowned. The other frog, Mr. Can, he decided that he could survive. He kept swimming and swimming and swimming until eventually his efforts in swimming turned the milk into butter, and then he jumped out of the urn and lived another day. Mr. Can and Mr. Can, which one are you? Are you the one that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Or are you the one that says, there's no hope, there's no future, there's no, there's no way I can do this. It's impossible to me. James 1 and 8 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And I wrote down here, flip-flop. When you're unstable, you'll, you'll flop between faith and fear. You'll flop between positive and negative. You'll flop, flop between yes and no, light and dark, good and bad. There comes a place in our life we need to realize that negative voices stop the promises of God. I remember... Uh, in several events in my life, I've been around people, kids, where we were all young, and they were afraid to jump off the diving board. They had a 
instead of fear. And they, they wouldn't jump off the diving board. So in my stupidity, I jumped off the high dive. And, and I would show them, it's safe. You can survive. You can, you can jump in. And then when they weren't looking, they were standing beside the pool, I pushed them in. And they survived. They, what they said they couldn't do, they survived. I'm not encouraging you to push a, a child in, in, the, in the pool. That's probably not. But negative voices that will stop the promises of the Lord. What is God saying about you? He's saying things in his word about you. There was a king. He was not a righteous king. He was not of the lineage of David. He was a heathen king. And somehow the, the word that had been copied on scrolls was brought to his attention. And one night he's reading the scrolls. He's reading the, the writings of Isaiah and reading the, the, the writings of, of, of Moses. And he finds his name. And this, what was written about him was written 200 years earlier. And he found his name. And his name said that this king, Cyrus, went and conquered the enemy and brought good where there was bad. When he read that about himself, he decided, he made a decision, and he fulfilled the, pro the prophecies of God by doing what God's word said that he would do. Do we have anybody in the house that God's saying something to you in your heart, in your spirit, in your future, in your destiny? If you're getting any, flag, any, any feedback, God's probably trying to say something, and the enemy is trying his best to allow noise of everything going around to be distracted, to be frustrating, that you're not hearing the clear word of the Lord. In Luke, the first chapter, the angel came to Zechariah. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist, and the word prophesied in Elijah that God would send the spirit of Elijah to welcome the ministry of the Messiah. So John the Baptist was prophesied 400 years earlier that he would be born, that he'd be the voice crying out in the wilderness. And when the angel came to Zechariah, uh, Zechariah was old. His wife was old. She was beyond the place where she could conceive. Zechariah began to question the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord said, since you have questioned, here's what's going to happen. You're not going to be able to say a word until your child is born. So for the next nine months, Zechariah was mute. He couldn't say, well, my wife's too old. He couldn't say, well, I'll never birth a prophet. He couldn't say anything. Completely shut down his mouth. And when John the Baptist was born and brought into the world, they said, what shall we name him? And they said, well, let's ask Zechariah what Zechariah wants to name him. So they asked Zechariah, what do you want to name this child? Well, he couldn't speak, so he got some papyrus and a, and, a, and a quill, and he wrote, his name shall be called John. John, there's nobody in our lineage by the name of John. Why do you want to call him John? Because that was the name that God had given him through the angel. And when he wrote, his name shall be called John, and fulfilled the prophecy of the Lord, immediately his mouth was loose, and he began to speak, and he began to declare that God had spoken to him, and that God had promised a prophet, and John the Baptist was that prophet. When you read the book of Job, you'll find the concluding chapters that Job said, not once, not twice, but I've spoken. Three times have I put my hand over my mouth that I won't speak anything negative. Think about that for a minute. Put my hand over my mouth. It wouldn't hurt some of us from time to time to just put our hand over our mouth so negative things would stop coming from our mouth. Matter of fact, I feel like sometimes I just want to reach over and put my hand on someone's mouth because all they're speaking is death and doubt and discouragement and depression and, and fear. And it's like there's nothing positive coming out of their mouth. It's all negative. It's all critical. And you watch that person's life, and they seem to disqualify themselves from all the blessings of the Lord because they either don't think God can or will or should. And when you begin to determine what God is speaking to you, 
you begin to declare the word of the Lord. Instead of saying, I'm too fat, I'm just right. And the, the Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the sick say, I'm healed. And we are blessed with that promise that God has spoken. When Elisha found a couple that was real good to him, they added a room on their house, and that was his room. That was the prophet's quarter. And he would go, and he'd ministry, come back to that room. And he asked him, said, is there anything you need from the Lord? They said, no, we don't need anything. But the servant, Gehazi, said, hey, they don't have kids. So Elisha prophesied, this time next year, you'll have a child. Sure enough, they had a boy. When the boy was 10 years old, he was out working, playing with his dad, and something happened. He had a headache, and he fell over. And, and they, brought him to, they brought him to the mom, and the mom realized he's really sick. There's something really wrong with him. So she takes off to find Elisha. She's making her journey to where Elisha's at. Her son is laying in a, in, in a bed dead. Bed dead, that, that, reminds, that rhymes real well. Anyway, there, there he was. So when she got to the servant, the, the servant said, hey, we, we, we noticed you were coming. What's going on? Is everything okay? And here's what she said. It is well. You know, she could have said, the son that the prophet Elisha gave me is dead. My hopes, my dreams, they're crushed, they're ruined. I'm discouraged. I'm afraid. I'm fearful. No, she chose not to say a single word until she said, it is well. And when she said, it is well, Elisha came to where the boy was. You know the story. He raised the boy up. And many Bible scholars believe that that 10-year-old boy was Jonah. That's, where he, that's the lineage that he came from. A lot of people believe that. But God raised him up because of the faith of this woman that she had in the things of God. When I think about Joshua, the walls of Jericho, crazy, crazy. They spoke negative criticism. All they did was poor mouth for 40 years. And the Bible says, with the exception of two, Joshua and Caleb, every single person that came out of Egypt died in the wilderness. Their words brought death. Their words brought doubt. Their words brought discouragement. Time after time, God tried to feed them. He tried to clothe them. He tried to care for them. But all they could say was, it would have been better for us to have remained in Egypt. Why in the world would you want to remain in slavery? Why would you want to remain in bondage? Why would you want to remain where your, where your women were mistreated and your children were placed in the king's court to serve the king? Why would you want to stay there? Because that's the, that's the way the seed of doubt and scourge operate. If it can get in your heart and get in your spirit and you begin to speak it, you will get exactly what you speak. So when Joshua got ready to take the land, the city of Jericho, they couldn't go around it. They had to go through it. You know the story. God told to tell the army to march around the city once a day for six days and not say a word. That no, nothing come from your mouth, not a whisper. The first day they marched. The second day they marched. The third day they marched. They, they marched six days and did not say a word. They were silent the whole time. The seventh day, they marched seven times, and then they were to shout, the battle is the Lord's and Joshua's. That was the positive coming from their mouth. They didn't speak for seven days, and when they spoke, they spoke positive. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I'm here to tell you today, the, the battle still belongs to the Lord. I wrote, by your confession and faith and determination, the walls in your life are coming down. Those barriers, those, those things, the enemy's tried to hurt you, to corral you, to question you, those walls are coming down based upon the fact if you believe what God's Word has to say, and then you begin to declare it. I appreciate AA. I appreciate I've been uh, involved quite a bit in AA, and I've been to the meetings. We've hosted meetings here. But I, I have a real struggle uh, with declaring, my name is Hank, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my name is Hank, and I'm an addict. 
I haven't had a drink in 38 years. I haven't smoked pot or snorted coke in 38 years. So obviously, I'm not an alcoholic. Obviously, I'm not an addict. Obviously, I'm something else. What am I? I am what God says that I am. And if we went through the, the, the Word of God to determine what God says that you are, I want you to help me this morning. I'm, I'm going to declare it. I just want you to repeat it. Are you ready? I am blessed. I am beautiful. I am attractive. I am valuable. I am free. I am redeemed. I am approved. I am prepared. I am qualified. I am determined. I am patient. I am kind, I am smart, I am important, I am empowered, I am well able, I am blessed, I am prosperous, I am successful, I am victorious, I am talented, I am created, creative, I'm sorry, creative, creative, I am creative, say that, I am creative, I am wise, I am healthy, I am in shape. I'm energetic, I'm happy, I'm positive, I'm passionate, I'm strong, I am confident, I'm a child of the Most High God. Oh, give yourself a hand clap of appreciation today. Well, there you have it. We are what we say, we are what we speak. We are, and you know what, if you're, if you're not what you speak there's a process that you can go go through to be what God has said that you are to pursue what God has said that you can pursue let's uh, take just a moment and agree in prayer we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us to grow and to be blessed and to be encouraged we thank you that you surround us with favor and blessing and hope we thank you that we have a car to drive a house to live in gas in our tank money in our pocket food in our refrigerator we thank you that you blessed us going in, you blessed us going out. You gave us the ability to make money, make money to earn wages, to, to, to prosper, to, to move up in the company, to one day own the company. You put all those things in us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, and today we honor you, we love you, and the things that we've declared, show us how to become those things. Show us how to pursue those things. Allow your promises that you've spoken, allow them to be manifested on us. Let us not negate. Let us not tear down, let us not speak against, but let us learn to say what the Bible has to say about us. In Jesus' name we pray. And you all said, Amen. Amen. I'll give the Lord a hand clap.